This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Commission us forward. All of that's grace. And he gives us 
the grace with all to commit to and to perform lawful works. Amen. We're in First Kings uh, uh, chapter 20. We'll be in uh, verse 13 and let's skip over to 28. I'm in the King James Version and all the, all the scriptures this morning. First Kings 2013 reads as thus, and behold, there came a prophet unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into thine hand this day, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Now we go to First Kings 20, verse 28. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this multitude into thine hand. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Now we go over to Acts chapter 17, the beginning part of verse 28, where it reads, For in him, God, that is, we live and move and have our being. Amen. People of God, it is possible for one to have the ability to recognize how the mighty presence of God never fails, but not have an ongoing faithful relationship with him. We can speak theologically, but not necessarily have experienced the God of that theology. We will examine today a king whose life represents such a possibility. He did not seek to become well acquainted with the gift of a holy appetite from God, which is the only means of having the right purpose for living. And remember last time the Holy Ghost led us through the discourse of Knowing that a holy hunger will do what? Bring revival. Remember? Amen. So this king we're looking at, he did not acquaint himself very well with the gift of a holy appetite from God. God will give it to you, but you don't have to, uh, you know, honor it. See, God is desiring that our desires will match his. He wants us to have a covenant agreement, amen, together with him. We can have godly peace and contentment, we can, when our everyday longings meet God's approval. You can think back real quick and flashback, things you did that were not, you know, something that you could have a good sleep on. Well, guilt took over and, and, and you squirmed and my God, and, and then you, you frowned throughout the day because you knew good and well that the peace of God that's in you that he gives you without repentance, 
so that we have sense enough to know that, you know, there's certain things that really should not be done. Ah, but we don't want to build on that too much because the flesh wants to overshadow that. Then we go on ahead and do whatever. But God is calling us to wake up. Amen. Get right with him. He's going to sober us up so that when he taps us on the shoulder of this message, we will listen. We will perk up. Our spiritual ears will be open. The eyes of our heart will be open. And we will recognize the fact that God is real. And I need to go forward in the directions that he has prompted for me to walk in. I got to do that. And that's why he's sending this discipleship lesson today. And it's entitled, The Best Desire for Christian Disciples. The Best Desire. For Christian disciples. When we live, move, and have our being according to our own whims, we are not truly experiencing God's complete and wholesome purpose for our lives. We were created by him with a specific eternal purpose which can be experienced only when we are exclusively submissive and obedient to God. People don't like that word. I lost a lot of people. Obedient. What? You trying to boss me? Don't judge me. You know, I'm free to do whatever. But obedience means it's the same as someone who makes a car and puts all the parts in there, and each part has a job, right? And then we put the gas in there and crank it up and it does what it's supposed to do. The, the, the car is following suit to all the schematics of how it was made. And it's performing well. It's doing what it's supposed to do. In other words, it's obedient. Think about it. Are we obeying God? Are we doing the things conducive of how we were created? You know, this body was not created that we would go through a sinful environment, which is why it's so formidable for us to live on earth in a good way. We tend to falter and fall. We tend to do that which is unseemly, that which is just off course according to the vicissitudes of the mind of God. God said, be ye holy for what I am holy, but we can't do it. You know, the Old Testament is a mirror. It's showing us what we can't do, which leads us exclusively to the Lord for help. I am a very present help in the time of trouble. I am there. I am your redeemer, your kinsman redeemer. I went through the same as you, and but I didn't have sin. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to lift you up. Yeah, with my right hand, I'm going to lead you on to glory. There's no impediment in me. I will not falter. I will not flinch. I will not be... Uh, tempted by the devil, I am focused. I will not look left or right. I'm going to go forward in that narrow way that I paid for you, and we're going to go on into glory, and there's going to be eternal joy. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. But we got to go the way of God. Do how he created us to do. When you buy something, it's not doing what it was made to do. What do you do? Oh, where's that receipt? Oh, it's going back. It didn't obey it didn't do what it was supposed to do. I put this formula on me. Oh, my hair, my hair's supposed to go down to the floor. They lied. Where's my receipt? 
Oh, I took these pills. I'm supposed to be skinny by next week. These pills did not work. Where is my receipt? I bought this machine called a hip buster. I went on it. It didn't do what it's supposed to do. Where's my receipt? It's showing that. We fuss about things that don't obey, right? I looked at the manufacturer's uh, write-up, looking at, uh, well, no, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so we get angry, oh, this thing is disobedient, it's going back. God expects us to do as he meant for us to do. And we can do it when we allow him to transform us and he renews our mind and we let the mind of Christ become who we are and what our mind thinks about morning, noon, and night, how we meditate day and night. It's how Christ would meditate day and night. And then we can live successfully. But no, we want our own mind. A mind that's fallen, shaped in iniquity, shaped in sinfulness. And we expect to be victorious with that mind. We juggle sin. We manage sin. God said, no, I want to take that sin away. Don't manage it. Don't juggle it. Take it away. Throw it out. I'm going to give you a new heart. Instead of a hard head, you're going to have an obedient head. Instead of a stiff neck, you're going to have a neck that can move how I tell you to move. Amen. Instead of feet. Oh my, oh my God, going where you shouldn't go. They're going to go the course of the Lord. Instead of your hands busy in other people's matters, I'm going to make you, oh God, so focused that you will stay put and do the will of the Lord. You won't look left or right. You're going to do what God commissioned for you to do. God will enable you to have that kind of obedience, if you will. Try to love on that word. <laughs> See, this, this is going to bring now a hard case in point against King Ahab, a man with a high position. You know, sometimes there's low people in high places. Mm -hmm. This man had a high position in the natural realm, but a much lower position in the spiritual realm. Ahab, King Ahab, was a person with a split heart and a double mind. He was the epitome of James chapter 1, verse 8, which says, a double-minded man, you know, is unstable in all his ways. Not some of the ways, all. So the men of God, uh, we see in the two scriptures we uh, read, were given messages from God for this double-minded king. Even though the idea of a powerful move of God was an acceptable thing, uh, it, it was not something that caused Ahab to exclusively worship God. And you know, a lot of times, especially in this modern day, uh, that fallen spirit seeks to discredit, dishonor, my God, anything that sounds remotely like it's trying to tell you what to do. Are you trying to boss me? No, you didn't. Did he just judge me? No, he didn't. We don't want to hear from God. Oh, no. We despise prophesies. This is why uh, the prophetic uh, office throughout the Bible, uh, the people that were called to that office did not always have a long lifespan. Uh, and, and, and then in the New Testament, we see, amen, the apostles and all the preachers that were anointed in the New Testament, 
They went back to the Old Testament as it was chronicled all the murders of the prophets. My God, they held an indictment against them. My God, of how these religious folk could be so evil against people they should be loving and lifting up. But no, they are killing them because they want to do whatever their mind finds is right to do in their own eyes. Instead of what God said to be. It's just like our modern day church goers a lot of times. And I'm going by the likes of George Barna, who is a Christian statistician. Uh, today's church goers tend to basically see God as an endearing concept. An endearing concept to superficially accept. They have not grown in faith to completely believe that God can and will show himself strong. Such a soul will tend to neglect the development of a faithful relationship with the living almighty God who can certainly manifest such an expressive move. And the Lord goes after all souls with the same loving perspective. But unfortunately, not all souls freely receive him. Many reject him. Many do not want to come into the knowledge of the faith. They want to just hang around on the outskirts and kind of catch a little bit of something they might tolerate and they talk that little bit of talk. But they do, do not go all the way in. What a blessing it would be if we sought to bless God by reciprocating his love. You know, the fire of a true relationship with God would kindle if our God-given ability to choose to desire him alone would become our main pursuit in life, that's become what? Our what? Main pursuit in life. I'm talking about the best desire for Christian disciples. But instead, you know what? We tend to chase after pieces of God's glory, not the whole glory. The, the glory, the whole glory, nothing but the glory. No, we want a little piece. A little piece here, a little piece there. Oh, that other one? No, that's too much. That's too saved. That's too committed. No, I don't want no commitment. You know, we tend to want the intermittent, feel-good part of an on-and-off relationship without really getting to know him. Much like the experience we could have with an uncommitted companion. That's a real bad situation to be in with unrequited love. You're pouring out to this person and they're not giving it back the way it, it should be given back. My God, they give a little bit here and a little bit there just to appease you to keep stringing you along. But that's not good. Is that how God works? No, no, no. Let's go to 1 Kings 20 because it has a good revelation for us and we're almost done. Revelation 20 reveals how the almighty romancer of our heart is often pushed aside. We push him aside often. Here's, is, there's two ways. Number one, his gifts are often taken the wrong way. God gives gifts, but we often take them the wrong way. In his grace, God gave wicked King Ahab two, count them, two victories over the enemy. The first victory was to teach Ahab that the Lord was the true God. So he came to him first to train him to remediate 
him once again. You had a lot of remediations, but that's another message. But here, here comes God to show him. So he would be one without excuse. And the second time that God worked the victory was to show the enemy that Jehovah was not weak and was not limited like the heathen idols they worshiped. So God was setting himself apart from their evil religion, my God. He showed the leader, and the leader should have shown everybody else. But no, God has to go around a leader who, you know, shirked his responsibility, I will show it myself. I wanted to put it in you to shine through you so that folks would know how not to bring a reproach upon my name. But no, these heathens see you doing the wrong thing, so they think I can just be messed with and played with. God wants you to see him through his people. He wants you to see him through nature. He wants you to see him. He's showing himself all kind of way. But then sometimes we still choose against him. No matter how many uh, witnesses come forth, it doesn't matter. We still say no. This is what's going on here. The man of God didn't show forth faith the way he should have. And then God went around him. He said, you just sit there and watch and then he showed the heathen. Yes, he did. My God. And then he allowed the people of Israel to go on ahead and have a victory over them, even though they didn't deserve it. My God. But God is showing forth that his name is not to be messed with. Amen. Oh, yes. True disciples cannot go around thinking God owes them. Sometimes we have that posture. God is gonna be God the way I say he's gonna be God. So you're gonna order God. Oh wow, that means he's not really God, is he? You know, we must also never think that we receive blessings from him because we deserve them. Stop going around thinking that. We all do not deserve a thing, my God. God doesn't have to do anything, my God. But we, we, we have these blessings from God, then we get to size ourselves. We don't know how to receive gifts from God a lot of times. That's number one. Number two, we tend to compromise with the competition. Compromise what? With the competition. How you gonna go to the other side and cooperate with the enemy? Sleeping with the enemy and come back like you didn't do anything. You see, instead of claiming complete victory and destroying uh, Ben-Hadad in verse 42, Ahab entered into a treaty with the enemy. King Saul made the same mistake with the king of the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 15. And both kings lost their kingdoms because of their disobedience. Not following suit the way God would have it. You can't walk your own walk. You have to walk the walk of the one that's supposed to be teaching and guiding you, delivering you, filling you. My God, cleaning you up, turning you around, placing your feet on solid ground. Then you're going to say, no. This is what they did. They went with the enemy instead. When you think the battle uh, for your love is over, guess what? You may face your greatest danger and experience your greatest defeat. God does love us. Yes. Oh, how I love Jesus. What? Because he first loved me. But you need to make good on that thing. Oh, yes. He's Lord. But is he your Lord? 
He's a loving Lord, but have you reciprocated his love? Have you walked in his ways? The way of escape, there's directions for that. Have you walked in there? Oh my God, you can't walk in your own path. That's not going to be the right way. It's going to seem right, but where is it going to lead? The Bible said to destruction. The Lord had given the king ample evidence that he was God. But guess what? Ahab persisted in hardening his heart. When we harden our heart, we decide to do so. When we insist on being infatuated with and blinded by the faulty desires of our fickle flesh, then we are setting ourselves up for heartbreak. And we have heartbreak because we regret. We do the thing we shouldn't do, like uh, it says in Romans 6, right? I was just turn around, flipping around, turn around, flipping around. Uh, the thing I should do, I don't do. The thing I shouldn't do, that's the thing I do. Not good. You need to um, humble yourself, get with God in Romans 7, and then you'll be able to experience Romans 8, which is where you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And then everything else turns out great. My God. See, the experience of King Ahab should teach us these two lessons. We do not want amen, God's back. We want his face. We want to entreat God face to face. My God. We don't want God walking away from us. Hallelujah. We want to face God face to face and let him look at us and tell us about ourselves. My God. We tell him about our troubles and our trials and all our complaints, but we need to also, when he illuminates our mind about ourselves, we got to say, yes, Lord, oh God, help me, for I am a fallen man. Help me, oh God. Yes, come in and, and, and judge me right now. Tell me about myself before the great judgment comes. Judge me right now so I can get right in the stool of judgment so that I don't go to the courthouse in eternity. My God, I would have already blown it by then. The time to get right is right now. See, the best desire for disciples of Christ is who? Christ himself. That's the best desire. He's not an idea. He's not a concept. He is God. He is a living God. Amen. Yeah. Many things in our culture compete to take his place. But guess what? The noise of their competition cannot outdo his mighty presence. He is fair in his justice. So the reality of his existence and purpose for his creation will always be made known to help us know that you know whatever he expects. And, and it's not going to be some kind of fleeting thing. He's going to make it known and we will be without excuse. Whether we choose to comply or not, it's up to us. Whether today's culture wants to know it or not, the Lord Jesus is the air we breathe. And yes, he inspired Marie Barnett to write and sing and publish that song in 1995. And it is in him that we live, move, and have our being. Thank God for such songs that the Holy Ghost is showing us he's still moving among us. He's still calling us to make the right choice. He's showing us that he's the best desire. But will you go his way? My God. We have to know that the scripture that we read, uh, as it is in him that we live, move, and have our being, my God, uh, it was inspired through the Holy Ghost that Paul would write that. He spoke it to the idolatrous Athenians in ancient Greece. 
according to Acts 17. As grateful beings of his creation, we ought to make Christ Jesus our primary desire and not an idolatrous one like the ancient uh, Athenians did. They just made sure that they paid homage to any and everybody, but they did not do it the right way. They did not come in the protocol of God's worship. My God. They did it in an idolatrous way. So many people in our modern world are doing things all called Christendom. My God, in Christendom, in so-called Christendom, I should say. But they have now borrowed from this, borrowed from that. They go into the East because it seems, you know, so new. It seems so exotic. It seems so cosmopolitan. I am down with it, if you will. But they are bringing in idolatrous works into the house of God. And there's nothing new under the sun. Hallelujah. They did it in the ancient day. They brought idols right into the synagogue. My God. And they did whatever the idolatrous folk did and was acting like God wanted that kind of attention. God knows the kind of attention he wants. It's not an idolatrous attention. When you can fashion God, well, I'm going to tell God how he's going to do it. We don't fashion Jesus. Jesus fashions us. Uh -huh. It was he that made us and not we ourselves. We're supposed to enter into his gates. Hallelujah. Into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts. If you go deeper in with praise and praise is going to draw you on in to the Holy of Holies. And that's where all the chains that bind you, those hellish habits, will drop. The chains will drop. My God, they will be dissipated. They will be destroyed as if they never existed. Hallelujah. The anointing of God destroys the yokes of bondage. But do we worship during the week? Do we worship after Sunday is over and we say amen and we leave and we start listening to all kind of tale music on the radio? Tale shows all across the street. My God, the devil is calling us right on back. We take a bath in church, but we go waddling right back in the mud. But God said, amen. We need to change our mind, have our minds changed. Oh, we got to want it. We got a hunger. We got a thirst after it. It shouldn't be some little fleeting moment. Well, you got pricked in church by the Holy Ghost and you feel a little something, something, and you want to get right for that minute. But when you leave after the amen, you want to go on back because you didn't keep your mind stayed on him. God said, he who keeps their mind stayed on him, that's the one that's going to have perfect peace. You're not going to have perfect peace if you don't keep your mind stayed on him. You got to meditate day and night. You can't close the book when we close the book and say amen in church and keep it closed. And then it's all underneath everything and you can't find the word anywhere. My God, it's closed. But God said, no, keep it open. There you go. Church service might come to an end. But your service for him never ends. You got to stay prayed up. Keep your prayer wheel turning. Hey, pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. Love God diligently. Give him the glory. Don't turn it off when service is over. Keep, amen, the on switch on. And, and let God, amen, cleanse your insides. Let him transform.
transform your mind. Let them renew your mind by the washing of the word. From morning, noon, and night, you should have some kind of word that you're chewing on in your spirit. We're getting ready to have a men's service in a minute next month. And uh, we, we, we will be dealing with how you can have, amen, uh, 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 the training uh, in sports where, where you have cross training and you, you do all kind of exercises and everything and get your body in shape. But cross training is to the body as spiritual training is to your soul. You got to learn how to have what? Spiritual training. You got to know how to tell yourself. Paul said, I speak to myself. I get myself right. Amen. I got to tell myself. Amen. And the, the modern songwriter said, I command my soul. You can't get up thinking the soul's just going to do what it's supposed to do, walk in the way of God. It's born in shape and iniquity. It's not going to follow the way of God. Yes. You got to command it. Man. You got to leap for joy like they used to say in the old days. Yeah, yeah. You got to go for yours and God like they used to say in the old days. Stay prayed up. You're not going to feel like praying. Yeah. There's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. When God gives you a little tap on the shoulder and wakes you up to the better way, he's opening you up to go forward now. With your drawn eye to God, he's going to draw not to you. And after that, you're not going to stay the same because you're going to want to clean your hands. You're going to want your heart purified. Yes, Purify me, Lord. Yes. In the name of Jesus, yes, cleanse me yes, from my unrighteousness because it's so irresistible. I can't put it down, Lord. I need you to come in and do a new thing. Oh, God, destroy the yokes of bondage. And as you meditate on that word and cry before the Lord in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and, and make melody in your heart on a daily, by yourself. You don't need to have an organ to get the Holy Ghost. You don't need this piano, these instruments, and all the tambourines and drums to get the Holy Ghost. My God, that's a physicality thing to help the outskirts of the soul to go from the court into the gates to lead into the Holy of Holies. And there's quietness in the Holy of Holies. You can't fit any instruments up in there. All you're going to have is the Holy Ghost singing to your soul and getting you right in the fiery presence of God, burning up the dross. Oh, there's holy quietness at that point. And you can really hear God without distraction, without temptation all around. You're going to get there if you ain't been drawn out of God. He's going to draw it out of you. Who's willing to draw it out of God? We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www. .roagape.org We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.